Please be seated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Four Sundays, four candles, an anticipation for Christmas, but far more than that. An anticipation and preparation for all the ways that Christ has, does, and will come into the world. Our Advent word comes from the Latin meaning Adventus, meaning arrival. With Mary, we are waiting for God to birth something in us that will bring life to the world. Our Advent readings have called us to wake up, to keep watch, to look for God's coming. They have painted a vision of the future that is beyond imagining when all will be restored in God's kingdom. A place of love, a place of justice, a place of everlasting life. All the divisions will be removed. Life will be utterly transformed so that even the natural enemies of lion and lamb and child and serpent will be overturned. And where there are divisions and conflicts between peoples and nations, this will be replaced by a true and a lasting peace. And we have been called to look to look even now for the signs of this coming kingdom, the signs of God's adventus. Today our texts narrow from the epic down to the small and the intimate. A young woman in our Isaiah passage, and the Hebrew for this is a virgin or a maiden, This young woman will be pregnant with a child of prophecy, a child born as a sign to Ahaz that God is restoring Israel, a God that promises to be Emmanuel with us and El, God Almighty. God gives a sign to the Israelites who are fearful in the face of their enemies. And this sign is the face of a child. Now in our gospel reading, Matthew looks back to that Isaiah prophecy to Ahaz and sees that Isaiah was given a double prophecy, not just a sign for the people of Isaiah's time, but a sign of the future Messiah. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. While we know it is difficult to imagine this restored future, a world that is fully at peace, fully just, God gives flesh to that future kingdom not as a concept, but as a person. God reveals that he doesn't just break into the world as a conqueror, but is born into it. 
into a local human story with a young mother and a somewhat perplexed adoptive father. The psalmist echoes this when he writes in our psalm for today, Restore us, O God of hosts, show the light of your countenance, the light of your face, and we shall be saved. It is interesting and not unexpected that the words throughout the psalm for help us and saved is Yeshua in Hebrew. This means God who saves. And it is the Hebrew form of Jesus. Let that sink in for just a moment. The Matthew community is a mix of Jewish and Gentile Christians. And for Matthew, it is very important that the community understands this connection of Jesus to those many prophecies that are in the Old Testament. And Matthew sees in this Isaiah text the seed, the seed that God will not come as a military commander, but intimately and humbly as one who loves his people so much that he will come among them as one of them in our flesh, what we call the Incarnation. Now, for the people of the first century, there was any number of religious options, not unlike today. There were plenty of mystery religions full of gods and goddesses and rituals that offered paths of salvation for the spirit. And there were great minds in Greek philosophy who offered paths of salvation for the mind or for that divine spark that was trapped in this fleshly existence. Judaism offered adoption into God's chosen people by following the law. But among all of these different options, none offered salvation for the whole human person, body, mind, and spirit. Each found the essence of what it means to be human in some uh, non-physical aspect, a soul or a spirit or a spark of divinity. And so... God having a human face, taking on the stuff of who we are, was revolutionary. And it was also universally despised. The physical aspect of human existence was considered so lowly and so unimportant to these great needs. It was not seen as salvageable for eternal life. And that also meant it was beneath God, even blasphemous, to imply that God would become human and take on human flesh. But these early disciples of Jesus, they experienced something through him, through his resurrection, that it wasn't just a parcel rest restoration of one aspect of humanity, but the whole the whole of this stuff, as well as all the other aspects of being human. They experienced a birth 
in the birth of Jesus and in the resurrection from the dead that Jesus experienced, that God cared not just for our non-physical aspects, but for our physical as well. Resurrection from the dead was really important for these early Christians. Great theologian and saint Gregory Nazianzus writes that what is not assumed is not saved. Another way of saying that is what is not taken on is not fully healed. And so he makes the argument that God had to take on all of who we are in order to heal all of who we are. Restore us, O God of hosts, show the light of your face and we shall be saved. Jesus was born and lived as humans are born and live. Jesus died as humans die. So then God could raise the whole of the human person to human life, to eternal life, just as Jesus was raised, body, mind, and spirit. God needed to have a human face. And it is the face of Yeshua, Jesus, the God who saves. So what does this mean for us today? It is easy for us as it was easy for the long line of humanity before us to settle for a cheaper and smaller faith. A smaller version of the astounding good news. The good news of today's lesson from St. Matthew's Gospel. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the Christian faith. It is easy for us, as it was easy for the long line of humanity before us, to settle for a cheaper and smaller faith. A faith that is only about our spirits, but not about our minds. A faith that is only about our minds, but not about our bodies. A faith that is only about our spirits and minds, but not about the other part. It's easy, as we heard, to separate the parts of who we are as human beings and settle for one of them. A faith that is about Sundays, but not about the rest of the week. A faith that is sentimental about the birth of a baby boy and turns all of that mystery and wonder and astounding good news into a feel-good Christmas card. It's easy to do that. A faith that comforts us when we need it, but remains in the back drawers of our lives the rest of the time. A faith that traffics in platitudes instead of deep thinking. A faith that confirms our worst biases and prejudices instead of challenging them. It's easy to settle for that. 
Advent is a season where the good news of the gospel is often delivered with the sound of a judge's gavel. Advent is intended to wake us up, to get our attention, to challenge us to get with the program, or I should say to get with a particular person's program. That person being Jesus Christ, and that program being the kingdom of God. Now, a cheaper and smaller faith is often much more appealing. And I confess this to you, it's often much more appealing to me. Because if I settle for that, well, then I don't have to look at my sins. I don't have to think about what my life is really about. And I'm free to do my own thing while ignoring the things and often the people that a more costly and fuller faith would direct my attention toward. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian and pastor who was executed by the Nazis for his resistance to Hitler, says these things. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for at the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace, because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. We receive a lot of messages this time of year. Holiday messages from this holiday generic season we have as an American culture. But the heart of the Christian message of Christmas is the incarnation. A God who has a human face. A God that we can encounter and worship in body, mind, and spirit. A Christian faith that is good news. Good news sometimes delivered with the sound of a judge's gavel. And sometimes delivered with the sound of a baby. Crying in a manger. Advent invites us to wake up, to exchange our cheaper and smaller versions of our faith for more costly and fuller versions of our faith. To get with the person and the program of Jesus Christ. A faith that comforts, yes, and a faith that challenges. A faith that calls us to deep thinking as well as deep feeling. A faith that takes our bodies and the created order seriously. And a faith that points beyond our bodies and the created order as well. Advent fades. Christmas approaches. Wake up. Hear the sound of the gavel. Hear the sound of the baby crying in a manger. Receive the gift of costly grace, the gift of the good news. Receive it again this season, or maybe even for the first time. 
The gift of faith in Emmanuel, God with us, Yeshua, the one who saves, the incarnated one, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.